Pack up the luggage, la la la. Unpack the luggage, la la la. Pack up the luggage, la la la. Hi ho, the glamorous. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. The voice you are hearing right now is that of songstress Jennifer Roberts. This is a lady who is on the right road, or as the title of one of the songs from her new CD recording proclaims, Lucky to be me. And indeed, this is true. She is a singer who impresses you with a kind of temperament swagger that says, I've earned my stripes on stage, folks. With a resume of projects that range from musical theater, recordings, cabaret to film and television, she's got the talent, but more importantly, she performs with great timing and style. You know, we artists often have to fight for our projects. The stories of the overnight sensations usually come with the reality of years on the road touring and endless auditions and gigs. Jennifer Roberts is a singer who, with the investment of blood, sweat, and tears, has lived to fulfill her dreams. She has just finished a two-year project of recording the songs which make up the CD, An Evening with Jennifer Roberts, which I feel, and I've got to say on my first listening, that tells us about her life story. From the first song, The Glamorous Life, to Live Alone and Like It, she and her fabulous music director, Ted Firth, chronicle the life of musicians who possess the hearts of storytellers. The CD is entitled An Evening with Jennifer Roberts, and I am sure this is the first of many more to follow. She is an avid interpreter of the music of Sheldon Harnick and is a popular artist at New York City's Don't Tell Mama. I have Jennifer with me today on Center Stage, and I am thrilled because I finally get to speak with another songstress about what makes us tick. Jennifer Roberts, welcome to Center Stage. I'm thrilled to have you. Thank you so much, Pam. So glad to be here. How are you holding up during the time of coronavirus? I'm doing actually very well. Um, I'm used to being alone. Uh, I travel a lot and I'm very social, but I also love to be alone. So I'm just getting a little stir crazy and then I want to go back to exercise class <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, do some things that, that I can with people. Mm-hmm. But I have kept myself really busy trying to get my house organized and cleaning inch by inch, uh, stacks of things to give away. I'm actually going through some old VHSs starting this weekend, putting some things on um, on DVD and putting it out there on the Internet. So that's been cool. So I've just been keeping and working together, um, putting together my next show, which has been really cool. Ooh, I have time to listen to some, some songs and so forth. Yeah, Fantastic. And what is your next show going to comprise? Well, I have two concepts that are very strong in my in my um, mind and heart. Three, actually, but I think the next one's going to be um, a lot of songs from the '30s and '40s. I don't want to give away the title yet or too much mm-hmm. of the concept. Um, Understood. But uh, I work with brilliant musical director Ted Firth, and you know how swinging of a musician that he is. So. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of songs that I've been wanting to sing for a long time, and we're putting together uh, that in the early stages. Actually, we're just meeting shortly before the um, 
the coronavirus shut everything down. And um, I can do some of the work still on my own, and he can too. But then I have another concept show that will be after that, which I'm just taking the time now to explore lyrics and concept. And with both of them, they're about halfway conceived. But all of the inner workings and deciding what song to definitely keep and what keys and so forth, all of that has to still be done. But um, it's kind of exciting to have creative projects to think about and work on. Oh, it is. It is, isn't it? And you've mm-hmm. brought him up, so I just have to take <laughs> take care from here. Your work with this incredible man, Ted Firth, as your music arranger and director is the yes. jazz pianist, but his talent, talents actually cross a wide range of genres in music. He's worked with so many hot personalities like Barbara Cook and Brian Stokes Mitchell and Marilyn May and yourself. Yes. Tell, tell me, what is the Ted Firth collaboration like? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I will say, and I don't think I've said this before, um, he was playing for a few of my friends, and uh, Tom Wilpath's an old friend that I worked with years ago, and I went to hear them somewhere... Uh, to blur now because I know I went back to Boston when they were playing and I gave them my him my demo and I said I really want to work with you, but I heard him play for the first time and it moved me to tears and I said that's the man that I want to work with and I worked with great uh, musical directors and pianists before many times but he moved me to the point of strong emotion and I said I really want to work with him so back wow. in maybe 2012 or 13 I took on my CD demo it's about 10 minutes and I said when I can afford you I want to work with you and he said okay and uh, fast forward again 2014 I wrote him and I said I'm ready for that collaboration are you up for it he said yeah I'd really like to work with you let's do it so uh, we threw that first show together in just two or three months and that was not enough time for me to prepare uh, emotionally and 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 we, we do very difficult arrangements, as you've heard. So that was really fast forward to try to put together a show in just a couple of months. And I think we met maybe three, four times. So when we were starting to do that show and I began the album is when we started the Sheldon Harnick show. And that one was a full-out collaboration we had many months to work on, which was great. But the first show is what is what um, is what the, the, the CD is. It's a CD is the whole life story. Like you said, you're one of the only two people that really heard the, mm-hmm. the life story in that in yeah. that CD that we did um, for, like I said, a full two years, or you said, of uh, development. But it's phenomenal. We, we, we get together. We have ideas. He picks keys. We, we have a give and take. And then we separate, unlike people that live in New York. And then I'll come back three or four months later, two, three sometimes, and say, let's do it again. And we'll set keys. And then I leave and come back and... Um, It'd be neat to work more on a full-time basis where we actually did, you know, get to work like most musical directors weekly. But uh, it's been successful so far. And like I said, we're already working on the third show together. But it's phenomenal because he's never the same. I never sing the same way twice, and he never plays the same way twice. So we'll do something, then we leave, we come back, and it's a whole different thing. And we've done the Sheldon Harnick show maybe six, seven times now. And every time we do it, it's a new creation, which is how I like to work. It's thrilling, and, and it's, it's just really wonderful. I also feel very safe in his hands. Oh, I can uh, imagine. I can imagine. Oh, <laughs> you, know, you're, you know. You're part of the A-list now with him. Uh, that, oh, yeah, Jennifer, right? I mean, really, what an honor. I love it. So what oh, is yeah. it about, you know, I'm a classical musician, and I always admire so much jazz um, and torch singers when, as you say, nothing is ever the same. You know, you guys change it up all the time. And I mm-hmm. love that. It, it, is it just what hits you on the night? Or is it just the pianist, mm-hmm. you know, has a certain kind of personality at the beginning and you follow? How does that work? Actually, both. 
I was. I did share this with you, classically trained, and I did start studying voice since I was about 15. But the whole time that I was doing classical material, and I was a, a voice major for two or three years, I was also doing jazz and pop and musical theater on the side. And then I had the good fortune of understanding a show for on and off for 20 years, basically, where I was thrown in constantly to different situations musically. I, I definitely had to know my music and the rhythm, but I could play some. And so I brought all of that to working with Ted, where we just kind of go with it. And whatever comes out of us, it's never the same. And it's really fulfilling. Mm. Uh, sometimes he'll change up how he starts, or I'll change it up. And we, we basically just follow each other. And he gives me the freedom to change it up and, you know, so forth. I mean, it's basically set. We don't change it that much. Hmm. Um, but we might take something longer one time, uh, shorter one time, a little faster frequently. And it's just fun to, like I said earlier, just to feel very safe in his hands and, and we can just create on the spot, which is which is great fun. That's so exciting to me because in classical music, we do everything exactly the same all the time with, you know, very few variances. So... How how thrilling. Jennifer, when did you first come to singing? I started singing very young. My mom is a classically trained vocalist. My dad used to play a lot of banjo guitar and used to sing in um, college. He sang with uh, like a quartet. Mm -hmm. So I was around music. They introduced Mm -hmm. us to classical music, pop, jazz, Ella, very young, and also musical theater. So I remember... Very, uh, he, he taught me one camping weekend when I was really young how to sing harmony, and I loved it. But around third grade, I had my first solo in church and uh, school, grade school, around the same time. The biggest thing was just getting the nerve up to audition. And then after that, it was just easier. And then I did a lot of song and dance in junior high and high school. I did the uh, state competition as a vocalist and was with a jazz choir and a swing choir and a classical choir. And we went to Europe with a choir in in high school. Mm. And so I knew very young that I wanted to study voice, but I really wanted to sing and dance. And uh, so I trained in all three for, for many years. That's fantastic, but you also you also work now as an, an as an actor as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. All along, I did the, some of the same things all along, but sometimes one part of my career would uh, take a little bit more of priority and 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 uh, focus and and work than others. So it's been kind of fun to watch it give and take all this time. So, do you have different age agents for what you do for music and and for acting? And I do. Yes, I've had several. Uh, I had a Chicago agent until recently. I was traveling too much, and they don't like it when you're gone a lot. Mm-hmm. I have not pursued a new one just because I'm feeling like I need to focus more on New York than mm-hmm. Midwest right now. Well, mm-hmm. I had a lady that was seriously thinking about booking my shows all over the country right when the coronavirus hit, so that stopped. And then I have agents in Detroit and Cleveland um and then, like I said, uh, I'm focusing on New York, but I haven't contacted an agent. I did have agent interest in New York a few years ago, but you, they want you to live there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have a home. I own a home. And uh, I know, like, Marilyn May lives in, uh, I think, Kansas City, Missouri, but she's constantly in New York. And I have a lot of people I could stay with. I would consider getting an apartment if I need to, you know, if I know it's really the time. But I've sure. been able to do things remotely for a long time. And I have casting people in Pittsburgh and different parts of the country that will request an audition from me. So I have not, like I said, pursued a full-time agent at this time just because I'm just really... The CD was all all mined and, and financially consuming for a while. And 
when you get an agent, they want you to be there. So I have enough regionally that I'm still working with, but yeah. um, my next step will be pursue one on a, on a higher level. That's great. So listen, I'd like to take an ch- opportunity right now to listen to one of your ch- tracks on the CD, An Evening with Jennifer Roberts. And I'm going to choose one of my favorite composers, and that's Cy Coleman. This is a wonderful track. Jennifer, I have to say, I walk Thank a little you. faster. Tell, tell me why you chose this song. This is one that Ted brought. Um, mm-hmm. We had done, I'd done a show with uh, my director, Andy Gale, who also directed this one, uh, An Evening with Jennifer Roberts and Mark Janis years ago. And when Ted and Andy and I came together, we decided to keep around five or six songs, and then we needed new ones. So one day, Ted came running in and said, I've got a whole bunch of Cy Coleman. And so we went through each one, and I had to have a connection with it. So... For me, being an actor, it has to be something that I would actually say or live through or sing. Um, and so he brought two. He really liked the other one, too. But this one I said I could connect with, and I would love mm. to do this one. So it was mostly the lyric, but also the tune. I just thought the song was adorable. And then we came back and sang it, and I said, yeah, we want this one this show. You've got to have this one. Well, we've got to have this one now. <laughs> and everyone, this is I Walk a Little Faster, sung by Jennifer Roberts. Up Madison, down Park. Every day and often after dark Pretending that we'll meet Each time I turn a corner I walk a little faster Pretending life is sweet Cause love's around the corner I walk a little faster Can't begin to see my future shine As yet No sign As yet You're mine As yet Rushing toward a face I can't divine as yet Keep bumping into walls Taking lots of falls But even though I meet At each and every corner With nothing but disaster I set my chin a little higher Hope a little longer Build a little stronger Castle in the air And thinking you'll be there I walk a little faster So, Jennifer, you've had this two-year journey now on making this CD. It's so fabulous. And you've worked with one of my good friends, Sean Sweeney, who is known in the recording business for his great ears. How important was it for you to keep the same recording engineer through uh, this project? And, And what were the benefits of working with Sean? Oh, first of all, Sean's phenomenal. Mm. Ted uh, introduced me. And um, I 
relied on Nadir heavily. So we basically went in and recorded all the musicians. Um, I was sick, unfortunately, that weekend, and so I was able to sing scratch vocals as I could. But we went in, and I had no... Uh, people kept saying, do it in Michigan, it's cheaper, do it somewhere else. But I knew that I wanted to do it in New York, and I wanted to work with Sean. And um, so the recording process itself took a couple of months, maybe three or four total, because we did it just before, uh, just after Thanksgiving, and then I went started going back in in January and, and recorded all those voice parts that you heard, you know, with the different actors speaking. It <laughs> yes. was part of January, February, and the rest of my vocals. And then the process was as I could afford to be in New York because it's not inexpensive to work with someone like Sean and to put myself up in New York. That process was two years, but I relied heavily on Sean because I was executive producer and I was producer, but I relied on his ears because it was really just Sean and I making most decisions. So I would make most decisions myself, what voiceover track I wanted, what voice I wanted to re-sing, um, which actor I wanted to do this, what I wanted them to say. That was all me. And uh, I would go in and we would fine-tune my choices. And occasionally, Sean would say, let's listen to this one again. We like this one better. So mm. we really, between the two of us, fine-tuned all of the, um, the uh, final choices. But he's phenomenal, extremely professional. Like Absolutely. you said, he's a sweetheart. He and, is. Um, he is. Yeah, so I'm glad the, the most recent review uh, gave him credit because he's a large part of the CD. Yeah, and, and that means a lot, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, really. It does. It really does. Oh, that's so wonderful. So in your opening song on the CD, I love this. It was Travel and the Glamorous Life. It's so charming and a very realistic depiction of what performers go through day by day. And what and really, you introduce your life to us. It's like the craziness of upcoming jobs and getting on a flight at 5.30 a.m. So mm-hmm. can, can you just enlighten our listeners to what your life is, is really like in that regard, Jennifer Roberts? You are the first one to ask that, and I'm thrilled. Um, mm-hmm. Every single one of those voiceovers, except for the one from Sydney Meyer saying, I booked you in Tucson, or you're booked in Tucson, where are you? You're supposed <laughs> to be in New York. Every single one of those was a real call that I did receive. Um, but Steve Doyle, the bass player, said, Dan, do we have a show tonight? He actually uh, texted me and said, um, do we have a recording session tonight? I'm here, and nobody's here. Oh. So so I was somewhere else, remotely out of state, working somewhere. Um, but yeah, those are all true calls. So... That was my life uh, for 20, 30 years um, working, you know, I had agents in Detroit and Chicago and a casting director that would request me in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and uh, did many years on the auto show circuit where I was traveling San Fran and New York and Boston and Dallas and all my favorite cities, San Diego, everywhere for many years. So all my biggest callbacks or auditions would come when I was on the road somewhere uh, on the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I was able to get back, sometimes I wasn't. Um, but yeah, as an actor, I do stupid things to stay afloat because I've owned a home for many years. But that Bart Simpson call was real. <laughs> from an agent yeah, by the name of Trish Damon, who I just wrote a couple months ago and said she made the album. But um, that was a call. I, I was in the agency in Detroit, and she said, did you really want to work this weekend? And I said, yes. And she said, well, um, how tall are you? And I told her. Because I got a gig for you. So it wasn't until after the fact that I found out that I would be playing Bart Simpson at a cable convention oh for two gosh. months. Oh I know. My gosh. So these are all real, <laughs> real jobs. And for years, I would have an audition in Detroit, and then I would get a call back in Chicago the next morning, and I lived between the two cities. And, and I'd have to be able to get from one part home to the other, to the other one. And I had a huge call back, final call back for a Lyrica commercial a few years ago, and it was, I was working in Los Angeles. 
Mm. This call came through, but I had training in Detroit that Monday. Very long story short, I had to borrow a car that was delayed. I didn't get home till three or four in the morning, and I had to be in Chicago the next morning at 10 a.m. for a callback um, with an ear infection. So it's like, unfortunately, <laughs> the glamorous part is, uh, is the final project sometimes, but the working reality of most actors is the day-to-day is crazy, and uh, I wouldn't trade it. Mm. It's been really wonderful experiences, and you grow through all of the things that you do. Oh I grow as a singer yes. tremendously from my travel and meeting people and song recommendations and from my acting experiences. Um, yeah, it's just I wouldn't trade any of it, but it is day-to-day crazy, and it's a little bit quieter right now, as you know, because of the coronavirus. Mm. Mm. But um, that- I still work as an automotive trainer sometimes, too, so <laughs> I have to learn programs and train dealerships all over the country on projects while I'm singing you're kidding. putting together. Yeah, That's no, amazing. I yeah, it's pretty cool. I love doing that. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. You do whatever you can, and it's yeah. so funny that so many things will come at the same time. Go ahead. I love it. I love your enthusiasm for all of this. And you're, you're just, you're, it, the blood, sweat, and tears part is really true, right? I mean, this, is, really this is how true. it is. There's no glamorous life being a performer. Not at all. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting it's, when it gets right down to it. Right. And I bought this house years ago because I wanted to get away. I I just always wanted to have a home and a yard. I think that's why I didn't move to L.A. and New York, even though many told me I should. I wanted to be able to get away. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge responsibility when you own a mortgage and you are a freelancer, because Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends that are doing CD albums and producing shows, you know, they have the husband paying the bills or two roommates or um, a full-time job. So it's been really a challenge, and that's where that song comes through, that as a freelancer, uh, self-employed, single, how challenging it's been and, and what kind of jobs I've done to stay afloat over the years to maintain those opportunities to sing and to do my thing. I wouldn't trade any of it because it makes you a better person and definitely a better artist, but it's not that easy. That's right. Good for you. I love that this fact that you bought the house. You wanted to have roots, you know. You wanted to have that safety, and then you got to work to maintain it. I think that's fantastic because, as you and I know, many artists don't put their money away (laughs) for taxes and for the rent, you know. And and now we're really feeling the crunch of that on on many performers. And I know many many performers right now are in a state of panic. Um, But for you right now, it sounds like this is um, a new life. This is a new beginning with the CD. Um, I I just have to ask you, tell me about your other artists on the CD besides Ted Firth. All right. So uh, Ted Firth, brilliant musician, as he said, uh, pianist, musical director, arranger. Uh, Steve Doyle uh, plays 99% of the album. Um, He came into the show to do it the last time we had done an evening with Jennifer Roberts Mm -hmm. show, and that would have been like November 2015, right before we went in the studio. And, uh, or 2016, it's kind of a blur now. But um, then Tom Hubbard came in to do Ballad of the Shape of Things because Steve had taken around the world tour. And then I asked a few <laughs> local uh, friends. It was actually, Ted didn't tell me to use other voices, but I had the three men because in the live show, the sound man, the pianist, and the bassist would each have a line in the show between each verse that I would sing. Mm hmm. So Ted said, you know, you don't have to use my voice on this CD and, you know, to do the speaking parts. And then it came to me, I should enlist other friends to do the voiceover. So that became a fun project. So I started by having Lance direct 
Roberts, who directs my next show, the Sheldon Harnick show, to do one of them. And another friend that lived in New York, uh, Jonathan West, and my old friend Tom Wolpat came in to do one for me. Actually, two. And then I had Jason Ellis, who was a great sound man, who I did a lot of great sound and lighting technical director um, at Don't Tell Mama for a long time. And now he's working at, I think it's uh, 53 Above. He's the technical director, Mm. I think, runs that room. So they came in and did the voiceovers for me. And then as I needed more, I would write a couple friends and say, can you please submit me uh, a quick uh, voiceover and send it to me? Peter Carey, one of my friends from Detroit and Chicago actor, he sent me in one and a couple of my other friends sent me in uh, a couple. Because being an actor, I'm kind of really picky about what I put out there. So I wanted it to be something that was believable. Let's say reread it, be a little bit more urgent try to make this one a little bit more rhythmic. So I used all these great actor friends that offered to do it. And then Steve has a line also that I left in. And um, Tom Hubbard also has a speaking part. I hope I didn't leave anyone out. Wow. But, um, right, what was really um, was really fun was that whole process and then picking. I went to uh, the one weekend I was in New York. I went to Sydney Meyer. I went to Don't Tell Mama, and I said, can you please record a voiceover for me? And uh, so we went in the basement of No Tom Mom, and he did like 10 hilarious takes. And I had to pick which one <laughs> that I really wanted. But it was my idea also, because there's only three three different times that they speak. I have all these extra voiceovers. Wouldn't it be great if I just added them all at the end, because this is how we live? And I ran it by Sean, and he said, yeah, that'll work. But I didn't know if it would be uh, believable. I didn't know if people would like it. I didn't know if it was just too much speaking at the end and not singing. So Ted never heard it. No one ever heard it until it was done and people love it. And I did not know. That was just kind of a creative choice that I made if it would be well received or not. And and people think it's really funny and it's really true. I just had an excess of voiceovers I wanted to include. So that's how that came about. I love that. That's all of your family. The people who have helped you get here and the people who you love. It's fantastic. Yeah, so. and my my dear friend Michael Burns, who is a guy that I used to travel auto shows with yet, uh, years ago, I asked him to do some artwork for me for my other show, and he did. And then I asked him if he would do the CD cover. Mm-hmm. So he did all of that for me for free. And I just oh. pulled, because the budget alone, you know, to produce a show like the CD, like this is so expensive. So these friends did the voiceovers for me as a favor. Um, Michael did all the artwork and so forth as a favor. So I had a lot of people, as you said, a family. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Roberts, if there is one word or phrase that can sum you up as a person, what would it be? I would say a song title by uh, Johnny Mercer. Yeah. And Jerome Kern saying, I'm old fashioned. <laughs> you are? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so funny because I live in a high tech world. I teach automotive. Like I said, I do a lot of high tech mm. stuff. I have to teach dealerships about apps and so forth. But when it comes down to simple values and old-fashioned work ethic and integrity and loyalty to friends and even my taste in classic movies and TV and and American Songbook and classic Broadway and musical theater, I would have to say I'm old-fashioned. That is fantastic. (laughs) So for everyone out there, to those who don't know her yet, I want to introduce the world to Jennifer Roberts. This is the girl with a great voice and the ability to deliver a message in song and style. And look for her CD, An Evening with Jennifer Roberts, and bathe yourself in the music of Duke Ellington, Sondheim, Cy Coleman, and many more. Jennifer, where can we find your CD? Just quickly. My CD is on Amazon. 
All right. It's on iTunes, Apple Music, you know, all kinds of places. Let's go out and, and find it. And my website. Jennifer, thank you. Jennifer Roberts, thank you for being on Center Stage with me. Come back and visit us anytime. Thank you, Pam, so much. And everyone, visit my website at Center Stage with PamelaCoon.com. And now the curtain is down on Center Stage. Stage.